Good morning. Scripture reading this morning is from Romans chapter 5, 6 through 11, and Ephesians 4, verse 32, on page 8 of your worship folder. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. are still in the process of going through this series on the gospel life. And if you remember last week, we talked about the idea of repentance and how we come to God knowing that in that place, we can boldly stand in our brokenness because he has redeemed us. He has saved us. He has made us whole and complete. And it's really a two-part sermon because this week we're talking about actual forgiving of people and how we receive forgiveness, not just that act of repentance. And what's been interesting for me this week as I was preparing for this sermon even more is I began to look at in pop culture what is actually portrayed about forgiveness or revenge. Interestingly enough, and you might not be surprised by this, revenge seems to have the upper hand to what forgiveness might be portrayed. When you go and look at songs about forgiveness or revenge, you will find a lot more songs about revenge than you will about forgiveness. Found a lot of songs about people saying, I'm sorry, asking for repentance, but not a whole lot of songs about forgiveness in that act. But there's one song that kind of stuck in my mind, and it's probably because I like the artist. It's probably because it was a song that was popular whenever I was a teenager. And so it just always kind of runs through my mind. And it could be because it says the word forgiveness over and over again. So Don Henley, former vocalist of the Eagles and drummer, had a solo album, a couple of them. And in one of those, he had a song called The Heart of the Matter. Now, that song is really about a girl who has left him, a a breakup that's taken place, and how he's trying to learn to live without her and the hurt that she caused him. But the second verse has this interesting sort of look. Let me read it to you. It says, These times are so uncertain. There's a yearning undefined, and people filled with rage. Wow. We all need a little tenderness. How can love survive in such a graceless age? The trust and self-assurance that lead to happiness, they're the very things we kill, I guess. Oh, pride and competition cannot fill these empty arms. And the work I put between us 
You know it doesn't keep me warm. Now he slips back in here because he's going into the chorus about this relationship. But doesn't that sound an awful lot like the world we live in today? This idea that there's competition and I've got to be better or I'm right or you're wrong or, or, or my way or the highway. Or, and, and, and we get so antagonistic and we get so angry and we get so filled with rage, especially when we're not seen the way we want to be seen. And so we look for places to be offended. And in that we offer no grace or forgiveness. So he slips back in and he says this, I'm, I'm learning to live without you now but I miss you, babe. The more I know, the less I understand. All the things I thought I figured out, I have to learn again. And here's the chorus. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter, but everything changes and my friends seem to scatter. But I think it's about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Even if, even if you don't love me anymore. It's pretty powerful words, actually. This calling out of saying, look, if I don't get a response from you, I still think that in my heart, in order to go on, in order to move past this rage that I have, in order to move past the competition I have, in order to pass, uh, move past this separation that is between us, that might even remain, I still need to forgive you in some way so that I can keep on living. And I think that oftentimes we get trapped in that place, that there might be someone or something in our life that we really need to give forgiveness to, but it's so hard for us to move into that place because rage and hatred is easier to carry, or at least it seems that way. But in the gospel life, there's a third way for us to live, not trapped between just sort of forgiveness and, 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 or just this sort of passive forgiveness or, and not just this rage that goes towards those people. The gospel life shows us how to actually step into a God-centered forgiveness that allows us to move into life, life to the full. And it's as we begin to grasp God's forgiveness that we will begin to be empowered to forgive others. See, the gospel life is one that does not keep account of wrongs, and it rests on Christ who has taken all offense and moves to forgive just as we have been forgiven. So when we begin to live out the gospel, it only works on us, but it works through us to other people that we are walking with. And the gospel itself, it won't show us how to forgive people, but it empowers us to forgive people. Because we have to forgive people differently in their particular circumstances and the way that hurt has come. So that's the reason why we jump into this Romans passage here, the reason why we take a look at actually how God forgave us. How he moves towards us in this place to say, I want to bring you in. I want to have relationship with you. I want to have reconciliation. I want to hold you as my children, how I created you to be. And so what we begin to see here in this passage in Romans is that God makes all the effort. That he's the one who works towards us and we recognize that it is before any of us even come to the place of repentance. It's outside of our action, our recognition of what God has done. God moves in the way of forgiveness long before we recognize that we've broken his heart. 
And so then in that work, he comes and he forgives. He says, I don't count this against you. I move it away from you and I call you in to me. And that Ephesians passage reminds us that we are to forgive others as God forgave us. So the first thing that we recognize is this, that God is the one who forgives us because we need that forgiveness as we live the gospel life and we're walking in the way of repentance, boldly saying, I'm broken and I need to be made whole and only you can make me whole. Then we also begin to recognize that it's God who will empower me to do the same to others who are broken. It changes my view of not only myself, but the world around me so that I recognize that others are broken as well. That they're going to have the tendency to hurt me or I will hurt them. I don't know if many of you remember this, but on my very first Sunday here, one of the things that I said from this is I need to let you know, I will offend you at some point. Right? I just wanted to make that clear. Because as family, as people that are walking together, we will do things that irritate one another. And there will be a place that I will need to come to you and ask for your forgiveness and hopefully receive it. The same is true for you. Now, I'm not easily offended, but you might offend me as well. And so there needs to be a heart posture that's ready to go, oh, they're broken just like I'm broken. I shouldn't hold them to a higher standard than I hold myself. And so the first thing that we recognize that all are on this even ground, all are broken. And so it is God who does the work and he moves us towards that. So then what our forgiveness becomes, as Dan Allender, who's a counselor and a pastor in the state says, is this, a forgiving heart offers to others a glimpse of the mysterious wonder of God's character. So while we begin to live a posture of forgiveness towards others, we are becoming an image of God to them in his character. We are reflecting what God's forgiving heart looks like. We offer forgiveness in order to offer an open door towards reconciliation, towards moving back together. That's the second thing that we see here in this passage is that God's doing the work and what he does is before the other person says, I'm sorry, before the other person seeks repentance, he says, I've forgiven you. Not only that, I move to a place of reconciliation. The way this works is this. When we are ones who are able to offer forgiveness, it gives an opportunity for there to be movement back towards one another. If we can first say, before the offending party comes to us and says, I need to repent to you, if we're ready, already ready, and in our hearts have already said, I've forgiven them because they're broken just like I'm broken, because they need mercy just like I need mercy, because we're all desperately seeking out to be made whole by the God who can make us whole. If I'm then able to say, in my heart, I forgive you, then my actions are not those of rage and of um, wanting to, to make things right in my mind. My actions are actually open in order to receive that person so it makes it easier for them to move towards that place of repentance. When they look at us and they don't see what sometimes our image of God is, that looking up there waiting to smack us down, 
Instead, what God is, that place of saying, I'm looking to, to bring you in, then as we walk in that way as well, those that have offended us can see that and their hearts can be changed by Holy Spirit in order to move to a place of saying, I recognize my brokenness. Part of that starts with us just being honest about what we've done wrong. How we've messed up. And living lives that are lives of repentance, running to it over and over again. That as soon as we recognize there's something that we have done that has offended someone, we're very quick to move to them, regardless of whether or not we're going to receive that forgiveness or not. Because we know our action was not just against them, it was about the Creator, God. And so we need to seek that out from them. And so forgiveness moves in that way. It says, I'm going to come to you before you come to me. I'm going to be prepared to offer you restoration and love and mercy before you come to me. So our forgiveness gives a way for us to do that. That only can be done when we recognize what God has done to us and for us, that he's come to us. In that, we must recognize then that forgiveness is costly. What did it cost God himself? <laughs> right? He gave himself in that act of forgiveness to reconcile us. And so the truth is true for us. That when we move into a place of forgiveness, forgiveness is costly. It means us canceling a debt or, or, or getting rid of an offense that we actually have a right to have. It means absorbing sometimes the pain and the hurts and the grief when someone has sinned against us. It means standing outside of that relationship and longing for them to have repentance, hoping that they will see their brokenness, desiring that they will move to a place of asking for forgiveness so that we can give it. That is painful and costly. I have a dear friend who lost his dad tragically uh, from men who came to rob his dad in their front yard. And they shot his dad. Now, he believed that God called him to forgive. And it was a duty. And so he was going to do the duty of forgiving. And so what he did is he wrote a letter to all those men and said, I forgive you. His heart wasn't right there at the first time when he wrote those letters. But he knew that that's what he was called to do. So he was going to forgive those men. This was after some years of really struggling with it and having some issues with it, having some issues in his own life. And he wrote to all of those men. Only one of the men, there were four that were involved, responded to him and said, thank you. I'm sorry for my part in this. None of the other men did it. But what my friend recognized, that if he didn't move into that place of forgiving, he would be eaten alive by the rage, by the anger, by the bitterness that he felt towards those men. And so in order to get himself okay, he needed to do that. Isn't that the amazing, gracious way that God works for us? He says to us, you're holding on to things that will kill you. I'm giving you a way in order to get rid of those things. And it is by following my example. And I'm going to empower you to do it. So step out in faith and write the letter, even if it's not your heart, just your mind that feels like you need to do it. Sometimes when we're forgiving those who have hurt us, it is an action that is caused because we believe we need to do it. 
not because we believe we can do it. And it is in that action that God honors it and moves our heart to catch up sometimes with our body and our minds so that we can move into that place. And we recognize that it is costly for us. Now, our longing in that act of forgiveness is restoration. First, not towards us, but towards God. See, because the brokenness that is taking place is not between just us, it's between them and God. And we want that to be restored. So we long for that restoration and then the restoration between us. However, restoration between God and that person doesn't always include restoration between us two. And here's the reason why. Sometimes the thing that has happened between us is so egregious and so outside of God's purpose and desire for us to be flourishing in life that a restored relationship with that person is impossible in the flesh. It cannot take place. That it is not a safe place for you to be in relationship with. So I want you to hear this. Restoration does not always mean a renewal of relationship. Okay? When we're moving into a place of forgiveness, we can forgive somebody with heart, soul, mind, and strength, every bit of who we are, and still not move into relationship with them because of the things that have happened, the brokenness that is there. We can forgive them and release them and pray and seek that they will recognize their need for restoration to God. But without moving to a place of relationship with them. However, there are places and times where God will renew relationships. So how do you figure that out? How do you walk in that way that you know, is this a good relationship for me to try and renew or is this a bad relationship? You don't do that alone. <laughs> you walk with people who love you and know you and care for you, who understand your story and who are walking in Holy Spirit so that they can walk with you and say, no, 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 <laughs> don't walk to that. Don't get into that. that that's toxic and abusive. That's, that's going to be damaging to you. Even when we begin to see true fruits of repentance, we still have to wait and recognize that there is a, a long path to relationship restoration in this. So don't hear me saying that you forgive and you forget. There is only one person in the world who can do that. And that's God. It tells us that God takes our sin, our brokenness, and forgets it as far as the east is from the west. You and I do not have that capability. And that's the reason why we need to walk in the gospel life together. So that we can remind one another when bitterness starts to come back up in our heart, remember, you have repented and you have forgiven. And at the same time, we need to remind people that you've not yet seen repentance. And even when we have seen repentance and we see the fruit, it might not be right for you to be in relationship yet. You can't, I can't do that on my own. Trust me, I can't do that on my own. 
We need one another to move into that place. Been trying to get down to the heart of the matter. But my will gets weak, is what he says in the first course. And my mind seems to scatter. But I think it's about forgiveness. Forgiveness. We move into this place in the gospel life knowing that we're in a constant movement. Our heart should always be in a posture that is repenting and forgiving. Repenting and forgiving. Repenting and forgiving. And in doing that, it gives us the capability to receive both of those things as well. We receive the repentance of others and we receive the forgiveness of others. And in receiving repentance and forgiveness and in giving repentance and forgiveness, then we live completely in who Christ has made us to be. Because what we see in Romans is a God who is constantly about forgiving even before repentance comes. And so we rest in the gospel knowing that he has given us each other, he has given us his scripture, and he has empowered us through Holy Spirit. Look, every situation is different. Like I said, the gospel life doesn't teach us how to forgive others. It empowers us how to forgive others. So think to yourself, who do I need to forgive? Who am I holding on to? Who by holding on to me, they have a grip on me. Like a little kid, right? That reaches up their arms and say, hold you, I want to hold you. And you end up holding them. That's kind of what it's like with our hatred towards other when we don't forgive. <laughs> like We're like, we're going to hold on to you. And what really is happening is they're holding on to us not letting us move to the place of freedom because we can't forgive them. We move to that place empowered through the Holy Spirit. Think of a person that you need to forgive. The first step in this is to pray for them. You might not even know what to pray for them. That's okay because Holy Spirit does. So say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to pray about this. But I know that I'm entangled in this relationship, in this rage, in this place where I can't forgive. Holy Spirit, what are the words that need to be said? Say these words for me so that my heart can be moved to a place of release, of forgiveness, and not holding on. If that person is safe, if that person is not going to be toxic and abusive to you, Find a place where you can go to them. Maybe it's in a letter and just say, I forgive you. You might not even know that you've offended me, but I forgive you. To begin to open dialogue. Maybe that just absolutely terrifies you. And it should. So don't do it by yourself. Have other people with you, walking with you, praying with you, speaking with you, encouraging you in the moments so that you can say, I, I want to forgive this person. Help me forgive. And then maybe what can happen is a relationship that takes place of restoration 
where God receives glory. My friend who wrote and he got one answer back, he began to work to get this man released from prison because he saw that his sentence was too severe for his actual participation in the crime. He was basically the getaway driver. And so he fought with the state to say, I want this man released early. He needs to be re- He needs to get parole. He went to all his parole trials and meetings and, and he was released. And then my friend worked with him to help set up a business for him so that he could thrive after being in prison for 15 years. And they are still friends to this day. Maybe that can be what God does. But even if it's not, know this, that God, by working in you to release your heart to forgive, builds a relationship between you and he and those who walked with you that are just as strong and just as beautiful to what God is doing in that relationship. So don't hold that one out as just the pinnacle. It's just a good example. Because each of us is particular in who we are. But know and believe and trust that Holy Spirit enables us and empowers us in the gospel to do this work. Let me pray. God, you are holy and mighty and true. You are gracious and merciful and right. You are the one who empowers us to be those who will forgive and repent. It is through Holy Spirit and through Christ's sacrifice and his resurrection that we have this power to be able to do it. The world is filled with rage and we are people of peace because you are of peace. So let us be those who walk in that way through your grace and mercy. If there are any things and any words that I've spoken today that are not yours, let them burn up. Let them be blown away. But if they are yours, let them take root in our heart and bear good fruit and glory for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.